0: Welcome to this week's episode of Pop Culture Double Date. Um, This week, uh, our group went to see Venom, the new Tom Hardy superhero-antihero film. Um, Yeah, it was a. (laughs) I reckon it was a very strange, (laughs) very strange film. Um, I'm joined today by my usual crew of Anija, Gerald, and Maggie. Say hello, everybody.
1: Hello. Hello, everybody.
0: Um, okay, so, I kind of want to start this podcast. Okay, so, firstly, this is going to be a full spoilers podcast. We're going to assume that, like, you don't care about getting spoiled about Venom, or you've already seen Venom. Okay? So, it's going to be a full spoilers podcast. You've been warned. So, I kind of want to start this episode by going around the table and asking everyone the question of, one... Did you think this was a good film? Yes or no? And two, did you like this film? Yes or no? Okay, so, um, Anja?
2: Um, loaded question. If you mean, was it a good film as a as in, did it have something greater to contribute to humanity? Yes, yes. No. <laughs> or did it have really I excellent mean, special effects? Or, yeah.
0: Was it a well-made film? Was it you know like a you know well fo- yeah exactly yeah.
2: It was not a well-made film, I don't think it was. Um, I think it had one one good thing going for it. Did I like this film? Yes. I knew I was going to like it as soon as I saw the trailer, <laughs> and I totally liked it. And I don't think it was just because I was three drinks in at that time. I, I, it, was, it was very enjoyable. <laughs> Super fun. In fact, I laughed out loud so many times during that movie. I think Gerald would have heard me. I felt because we were in Gold Class, I felt very comfortable, just laughing as much as I wanted. <laughs> I laughed a lot. <laughs> Gerald, what about you?
1: Uh, this was not a good movie. This was very, very far from a good movie. But I didn't hate it. You didn't hate it. Um, did you like it, I did.
0: or did you just did you just tolerate it?
2: Commit. To no, a I
1: think I think I I think, I think I had a bit more affection for it than mere tolerance. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a I would not. At, I, I would not. You had
2: a big grin on your face every time I was laughing, and it wasn't because I was laughing. Like you, no, it was it. it was
1: it was because it was because you were laughing, and <laughs> uh, um, and like there were there were funny parts in the movie, like, and strangely enough, like intentionally funny parts as well, um, but. I can't say that I wholeheartedly embrace the thing, uh, so so um, so um, it, you've, it's got a it's got a sort of lukewarm response from me. Okay, Mags.
3: Okay, um, was it a good movie? No, it was a terrible movie. Did I like it? It was, it was not bad. Let's just say I did it, and I looked at Darren, and I went, you know what? I don't hate this. And I don't know why. I ended it with a puzzled look of, like, a weird half-smile.
0: Okay, so I... (laughs) I also think this was a terrible film from a filmmaking perspective, right? Like, if you sat down, and we are going to sit down, and we are going to go through the plot, and the writing, and the acting, and all of these things, and I think on all of those dimensions, on all the dimensions you judge a film by, it's terrible. It's such a shit, (laughs) shit film. But I left this film feeling so upbeat about life. I don't even know why. It's a film about an (laughs) alien that eats people's heads. And I left this film with such a huge smile on my face, right? Like... Just, like, Mags will attest to the fact that, like, I turned to her on the escalator on the way back, and was just like, I think I like that film. (laughs) And it was really puzzling and uplifting at the same time that I could love something that was such, like, on paper, such a pile of shit. So, (laughs) um, yeah. So the reason I wanted to do this sort of experiment is because on Rotten Tomatoes right now, it's telling me that this is like a thirty-two or thirty-three percent film by critics, and it's like an eighty-eight or eighty-nine percent loved by audiences. So it's kind of like the reverse of The Last Jedi, which was loved by critics, and like audience was were kinda of lukewarm about it, right? Like it's kind of a super, super weird film. Like I, I kinda of just want to like draw that line in the sand. Like I felt that this was an incredibly weird but strangely likable film. Right? But
2: I think critic's need to stop being so stuffy and stop taking things so seriously. Like a good film for me, it's first and foremost entertainment. It's not first and foremost um, art, culture. You know, it's 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 not that. Right? <laughs> like that's that's like a, the icing on the cake, and every other you know, every one in ten movies can have that going for it. But first and foremost, it should be entertaining. <laughs> so, and it was. No,
0: it was it was entertaining. I mean, I was. I was so confused when I left this film, right? Because um, the only other film... look, I think it'd be really interesting to see if, around the table, anybody else has had this sort of reaction with any other film. For me, the only other film that I've had this sort of reaction with, like, where i basically kind of started, and I've started sitting down with this film and thinking, wow, this is going to be an absolute, to quote this term, to quote the film, "Turd in the Wind," <laughs> right? Like uh, <laughs> when I first sat down, I thought it's gonna be it's gonna be bad like that, right? And then, kind of halfway through the film, or like a third of the way through the film, something just clicked. Like the only other film that that's happened um, to me um, is "Dude, Where's My Car?" Right? A film that mm. on paper was just like really crap, but for some reason. During the film I was just like, Man, I'm kinda digging this for some absurd reason. So yeah, yeah. I c-
2: I can't recall another film like this, but I think the reason why this very poorly made film was bad on so many levels, like bad action, bad special effects, the alien looked really ridiculous, like really ridiculous. I think what made it good, like the most ridiculous villain I've ever seen. And look, I want to say, look, what would a mad scientist look like other than a weedy Indian guy? But it just, it was so unconvincing (laughs) in the movie world. But... um, but I think what carried it is a Tom Hardy, who was fun to watch in whatever he does, and b I think it's because Venom, as in the actual alien Venom, was really funny. Like, did you he was, did he you think it was funny? I was so funny. I don't even know if I could laugh, every time I laughed, it was because of Venom speaking. Like when he said to Tom Hardy, "I too am a loser like <laughs> you in my world." <laughs>
0: But that isn't that because him. the writing is so bad that you're sitting there going, who wrote this? Funny. I thought he was meant to be funny. Like,
2: I thought it was I meant to think... <laughs> be funny.
1: For my money, the funniest moment in the film is when Venom tells Tom Hardy to jump out the window of the skyscraper that they've just crashed into. And the next thing you see, Hardy's Please. waiting for a lift, and then you hear Venom just say, Pussy. <laughs>
0: but, <laughs> okay, okay, so that was funny, but at the same time, you have to admit, the writing that went into that was not particularly
1: good, right? No, like, yeah, oh, it, was, it, was ter- <laughs> it was terrible, but I'll tell, you why, I'll tell you why it worked. It's because this movie was marketed – like, if you watch the trailers, the the trailers would not have told you just how, like, in, how many comedic notes the film was trying to hit. Like, the trailer makes it look like some sort of – it doesn't make the movie look quite as brooding and serious as anything that came out of the DCEU. But it made it look as if it was it was it was going for going for some sort of um, horror thriller um, type. It was shooting for that for, for shooting to, to be in that genre. It's like
2: they all got drunk one night, and wrote
1: the- But the fact of the matter is, the movie the movie itself is actually a lot funnier than the trailer suggests it would be, and so I think it it it, it, it sort of um, defied expectations in that way, which meant that even though it's an objectively pretty shit movie, um, you actually <laughs> felt well disposed towards
3: it. Yes. For me, it felt like a bunch of 18-year-old boys got stoned and they, walked, and they wrote Venom.
2: Someone was definitely <laughs> drunk when they wrote Venom. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no doubt about that, right? No doubt. Yeah. Like, i like...
3: <laughs> I lot really like, for me, it was the, um, the you know, the, the uh, motorbike chasing scene where he and Venom are, you know, magically become the, form this perfect symbiosis with one another, and Tom Hardy going. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And Venom keeps saying, "No, you're not. I will save you. I will save you. I will save you." <laughs> and then there's one point at the end where Tom Hardy's starting to Eddie, the character, starting to enjoy um, the the fight, <laughs> the chase scene, and then he <laughs> said, <laughs> yeah, and he's like, "Oh, you know, that was pretty cool." And then he said it in this sort of crazy, slightly stoned, dopey voice, and had a an goofy <laughs> grin on his face, and then he got, you know, hit from the bye. Um To me, that kind of epitomized the film.
0: Yeah, so I love that scene as well. I actually thought that, that chase scene was really kind of cool. And I love that scene, be- well, mainly because when Eddie turns around and says that, I can't even remember what he says, but he says something along the lines of, yeah, I'm going to live, or like, oh, this is pretty cool, or something like that, right? <laughs> it felt like a child wrote that line, right? It was just like, oh my God, how on the nose is that line? And then immediately after he says this horrible line, he gets his comeuppance, right? You kind of feel, oh man, <laughs> like that's what you get for uttering such a dumb, dumb line. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's, look, I mean, let, let's, let's, Where do we want to start? Do we want to start on the plot? Do we want to start on the writing? Do we want to start on the acting? Let's let's start start with with the plot. Okay, let's... Oh, I
2: think (laughs) we...
0: Well, we want to talk about Tom Hardy, obviously, right? We do want to talk about...
2: (laughs) In in case people haven't seen the film, and for some reason are still listening to us, maybe we should talk about the plot. (laughs) Do
0: (laughs) do you want to talk about what you understand the plot is? (laughs) Oh, God. Okay,
2: so... So the plot, so this movie starts off with Tom Hardy and his fiancée, Michelle Williams. We can tell that she's a lawyer. He's a bit rougher than that, can't tell what he's doing. And then we realize he's a journalist, and he's one of those journalists that, you know, wants to save the world and kind of breaks ethical lines to try to do that. Um, Next thing, he's hacking into his fiancée's computer to steal her files. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Something that is morally...
0: Horrible, right? Like
2: you gotta... he's, got the, he's got the morals of a ten-year-old, and he's so he's stealing her um he's stealing her files, and he's confronting the um the the villain of the movie, Doctor Carlton Drake, who is like this Elon Musk. He's Elon tiger. Musk.
0: He's, he's, Elon, he's evil Elon. Let's be clear. He's e- evil Elon Musk. Right? He's, he's e- evil.
1: Does <laughs> when you say when you say evil evil Elon, I think you just mean. Elon?
2: <laughs> okay. he's Elon. He's Indian Elon. He's Indian Elon, and he is—he's um, he is, curing cancer, but he's also sending people off into space, bringing back um, aliens in the form of these gluggy substances. Um, and he is—he's um, obtaining volunteers who aren't really volunteers, just people in glass cages, and he is letting the aliens loose and causing but, them to bind wait, wait. with the people.
0: <laughs> okay, but wait, wait. <laughs> Quick sorry, sorry. Let's be clear, though. When Eddie confronts Elon Musk and says, Elon Musk, you're a horrible person. He knows none of this, right? He has he no doesn't. no evidence whatsoever. What right? he
1: knows
2: <laughs> is that Elon Musk is, is saying that he is <laughs> curing cancer, but really there are people who are dying, and that's being shushed up, um, and there are lawsuits against Elon Musk. for no, not <laughs> there no, He's aware
0: story. that there it is, is one loot lawsuit yeah, against, against Elon Musk. Musk. There are lawsuits
2: against Dr. Carlton Drake, who is the actual villain in the series. Maybe not Elon Musk. There are lawsuits <laughs> against him because these people that he's supposedly curing of cancer are actually getting sick and dying, but he's trying to keep that hush hush. So obviously, some people he's curing, some people are getting very sick, um, but he's keeping the bad side hush hush. Um, and that's what Tom, that's what Eddie knows when he confronts him. But really, secretly, the much more villainous uh, activities at play is that Dr. Carlton Drake is getting these aliens and causing them to fuse with humans to create this sort of bonded entity, part human, part alien, in the hope that if we do this, then we humans can go into outer space and live in um the, in in other planets and so
0: on. So. <laughs> like he's got to like, play I mean, let's be clear. This motivation is so dumb. Okay, and they find the alien not even on a planet, just on some floating comet. Right? That's what they said. There's some comet. I know. So the where spaceship live then... exactly on that comet. Like... <laughs> the spaceship stops by the comet, picks up some alien and it comes back to Earth. Right?
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Anyway, (laughs) so so, so when when, um, Dr. Carlson Drake brings these sort of blobby things back to Earth, one of them did escape. And we see that at the beginning of the movie. And this blob that escapes infects somebody. And and they clearly have these amazing superpowers, but they're also kind of zombie-esque. They turn into kind of zombies. And what we see at the beginning is that they only last about a few minutes at a time before the alien force inside them kind of destroys them from within and then attaches itself onto a new person and that kind of that changes follows and what we eventually find throughout the movie is that the alien form has to match with a perfect host just like with an organ transplant right it's just, There's got to be a perfect human that just happens to match perfectly with the alien host in order for it to survive long term in that host um yeah
0: then what
3: happens?
2: Okay. You can okay. <laughs> you so to...
0: basically we go into a six month time scale. Okay, so basically Eddie confronts Elon Musk or Carlton Drake, wherever his name is.
2: We don't want Elon to sue us. Okay, so. <laughs> okay, so
0: Carlton Drake. <laughs> <laughs> he he confronts Carlton, Carlton Drake. Basically Carlton Drake takes it takes um Eddie to the cleaners, right? He um Ruins his life. His girlfriend leaves him, obviously, because she gets fired from her job, and she knows that he's been um, kind of hacking her files. And then we rejoin Eddie six months down the track. He's kind of like, you know, he's a loser. He's got, like, no job. He's got no prospects. His girlfriend's left him. But he's still kind of like an okay guy, right? Like, you know, he helps the poor. Like, he tries to do the right thing still, right? But he's still trying to find a job. Anyway, at this point, one of the scientists in... Carlton Drake's um, company, the Life Foundation, or whatever it is, um, basically contacts Eddie to say to him, oh, all this stuff that you were saying about yes. Carlton Drake is actually real, come investigate our building. Eddie goes and investigates the building, for whatever reason, decides that it's a good idea, well, he sees this homeless person who's in pain, and I guess morally he feels obliged help to help her, she... Breaks down her cell. He knows
1: her. No, not Yeah, he knows, he her. knows, he knows her. her. He knows her. He knows she, her. She's the she's the homeless person out hanging outside yeah, the right. um, Chinese grocery store where he where he buys all his stuff.
0: Yeah. So he breaks down her cell cell door. The, quite easily, I might add. But anyway. The the symbiote kind of jumps out of this lady, jumps into Eddie, and then Eddie runs away. He doesn't know that he's got the symbiote in him. Q, Q probably the best bit of this film, which is Eddie trying to figure out what's actually going on with him, even because he's got a symbiote in him. You know, he starts mm-hmm. hearing voices in his head. All this stuff kind of goes on. Eventually, the Life Foundation guys want to track him down and bring him back, so they seem to send a team of goons after him, and Eddie's able to, like... Out with them in a car chase and kind of like, um, like basically he's able to kind of get away from them, right? Um, and then I kind of forget. And then basically, what happens? Like it, it's at one point, Carlton Drake gets um, infected with a symbiote as well, <laughs> um, and and the
2: symbiote wants to take one of his rockets and go back into outer space.
0: Yes. So basically, yeah. the main bad guy plot is that... So there's four symbiotes, right? Venom is one of them. There's this other one called Riot that bonds with um, Carlton Drake. Riot wants to go back into outer space with Carlton Drake's rocket and basically collect all of his friends who are on the asteroid, like millions of symbiotes, come back to Earth, infect everyone on Earth with a symbiote and basically take over Earth, right? Um, Anyway, so Eddie... And Venom basically decide that he he has to be stopped. Like, anyway, we'll talk about why that doesn't really make sense. But anyway, like, they have a big fight. The spaceship explodes. Carlton Drake dies. Riot dies, I guess. And Eddie and Venom kind of live on. That's the story of Venom. <laughs> am, I, am I accurate? <laughs> accurate.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. <laughs> it's,
0: it's
3: not unfun, right?
2: It's not unfun. Like,
3: there's that sort of in between a melange with um, Michelle Williams' character and her new boyfriend.
0: Yes, yes. Which uh, I, I who is Dan from Veep? <laughs> His name is also Dan in this film, which I found was weird but kind of cool. But anyway, um, yeah. So that was the plot of Venom. Now. That plot has a thousand holes in it, right? So, (laughs) I kind of, for me, like, let's just spend a bit of time talking about the bits of the plot that don't really make sense, right? For me, the main, look, there's so much stuff that doesn't make sense, but one of the main things that doesn't make sense for me is, like, the motivation of the Venom symbiote after he bonds with Eddie. Why he kind of decides that he doesn't want to go back into outer space.
2: Can I put the the best case forward for that motivation? Yes. I think because they were such Perfect matches that not that that Venom couldn't just continue being himself, he had to be equally infected by the personality, character, morals, beliefs, and values of Eddie Brock. Right? They they affected each other, and so part of Eddie Brock's you know overly I must save the world, um, kind of crusader sort of values infected Venom. So that's one thing, and then the second Venom thought to himself, you know what, I am a bit of a nobody back on my home planet. I am completely ruling the roost over here. Maybe that's a bit of okay. And third, uh, third, I think we're supposed to assume that Venom has kind of the hearts for Michelle Williams. And so Venom really doesn't mind the idea of hanging out here and trying to get um, uh, the girlfriend Michelle Williams back again. I think that's meant to be the case why he changed but I completely agree it was abrupt it was really weird
0: it was really abrupt right <laughs> really like there was one moment was really where really he's abrupt. like I'm going to destroy the human race and then five minutes later he's like change my mind and he's like that's a big change mate it's a huge change he <laughs> <laughs> went from predator to bros with bro. <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> so that that was that was one thing can we talk about the the riots plan of bringing all these symbiotes to Earth, which seems like a horrible... It's such a dumb plan. Because what you find out, basically, throughout the film is that the symbiotes are actually really shit, right? Like, if they don't find a host, they just die. They kind of just turn into a puddle on the ground, right? Yeah. So, throughout this film, there's multiple examples of where the the host rejects the symbiote, and then, like... (laughs) It just jumps out and then just forms a puddle on the ground, and none of the scientists that are watching this find it important to do something about it. It's kind of like... The, the symbiote dies, and then the first person who finds out is Carlton Drake when he goes back into the lab. Not the scientists who are on duty. Carlton Drake finds out, right? The scientists are just standing around like... Drinking a coffee or something, not paying attention to what's going on in the lab. <laughs> anyway, so you have this situation where these symbiotes are clearly not that tough outside of the body, right? Mm. So what's going to happen? They're going to drop these symbionts down to Earth. And, like, and given how hard it is for the symbiote to find a host... Are they all just gonna die really quickly? <laughs>
2: it's how be- are they even gonna find their way to the comet and then back to Earth again? Come on, <laughs> Come on. Drake
0: himself is gonna pilot the
2: spaceship.
0: <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> uh, Can I just pose this question? How how do you land on a fucking comet? I, I don't know. Apparently, this restroom stream initially... Like, like how? Like, seriously, how? Like, and the you thing know... is, it's not, as if, it's not as if this movie is set, like, 100 years from today. It's kind of set in the present.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <It's... laughs> Look, the plan of the symbiote is really dumb, The Carlton Drake's plan... Like, I mean, you're supposed to believe that he is a guy who is out to save humanity, and then he basically turns around and is like, I don't, I don't really give a shit about humanity at all, right? Like, <laughs> like I know that what I'm creating are these weird monster things, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm just going to create these weird monster things,
2: whatever. <laughs> he was as cartoon character and villain as you could get. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. Like, um, so look, um, is there anything else? Are there any sort of other plot... Major plot inconsistencies. We kind of want to bring up, or should yeah,
1: we... it, it, isn't it the case about three quarters of the way through the movie, um, Michelle Williams and her boyfriend find out that the that Venom is actually killing Eddie Brock from within. Yes, yeah. and and somehow, like at the end, it's that's that's okay. Yeah, like, okay. exactly.
2: <laughs> because Venom can choose to heal him if he wants. That's I think that's what he said. He said, "I can heal you," and I think we're supposed to believe that.
0: I, I, mm. th- yeah, I, I think, look, I, I don't know if they actually explained that, but
2: no, my, <laughs> my
0: sense was that Venom was eating Eddie because he wasn't getting enough food himself. Enough food, yeah. yeah. That's... So Venom needs to eat, right? So if he doesn't eat other stuff, he has to eat Eddie. But he obviously doesn't do... want to so... eat Eddie.
3: <laughs> and
0: then how did he go
3: from wanting to eat live things like the live lobsters to, at the end, asking for
0: tater tots and chocolate?
2: Well, he ate I mean, that well, guy's he had, head. He did eat. He did eat that guy in the end.
0: <laughs> Wait, did he? Can I ask? No, did he just, eat that, that you know. guy, or was that an imagination thing?
2: No, he ate him. Did he?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think he ate him whole. Totally. I think he so, just swallowed him whole.
0: Really? Because the lady in the shop <laughs> got, did not see
2: where that. Where did he go, <laughs> then, did he go into Eddie Brock's stomach? Like, where did he go? <laughs> but you're right initially he was throwing up anything that wasn't live and then he's eating like chocolates and chips weird
3: (laughs) he's become a teenage boy he's become the 18 year old stoner
0: (laughs) (laughs) well can I just say I actually felt that Venom as a character like the Venom symbiote felt like an adolescent stoner right like
1: The way yeah, look, this movie, this movie, this movie should have been retitled um, "Venom and Eddie Go to White Castle" because exactly,
3: <laughs> exactly. Yes. oh my god, yes. no. I walked out of this movie thinking Bill and Ted's excellent alien adventure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, another inconsistency for me was Venom can talk to Eddie in his head, but Eddie. Must talk to yeah. Venom out loud. <laughs> why is that? <laughs> yeah,
0: why does Eddie have to be a total, like, weirdo and Venom, what? Uh, that was my favourite. <laughs> <laughs> Jazz, editor, anything, anything other? No,
2: because I don't, because you can't take it too seriously, right? <laughs> like, this is not to be judged on the merits of plot inconsistencies and plot holes.
1: Can can we take a step back? Um the last time we saw Venom on a movie screen was in the last twenty minutes to half an hour of Spider-Man 3, I think. Really? Oh and um and yeah, was Grace. He he was Topher Grace. Um <laughs> and and whatever whatever we say about the merits or demerits of this movie, I think we can all agree that Tom Hardy is a considerable step up from Topher Grace. Um, so venom a
2: villain.
1: Venom. He's villain. Uh, he's he's a villain. Not only is he a villain, he's probably the most iconic villain in the entire Spider-Man universe. Yeah,
0: really? Probably um, Green Goblin, mate. I mean, Green Goblin is a classic. Venom is like the classic venom um, villain from the late '80s, early '90s. Basically, they sure. re- yeah they rebooted like Todd McFarlane, right? Rebooted Spider-Man, right? In I think it's early '80s, early '90s. I think he rebooted Spider-Man, and Venom was like the villain then right but you kind no. of have to remember that comics back then this was the time of like Rob Liefeld and like it's kind of they were like super macho adolescent boy comics so it was like Venom was awesome because he was this like big sort of hulking monster guy with like teeth right like I don't know
1: J- J- well here's the thing I mean the thing is though that he, he's 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 a villain and he's a proper villain and um, and one of the reasons why I sort of reacted against the announcement of this movie so violently was that I thought this was going to be the origin story of a villain. It was going to be basically um, Star Wars Episodes 1, 2, and 3 compressed into one movie for the Spider-Man universe.
2: That could have been good. How could and,
1: and, and,
2: you rebel against I,
1: that? Oh, because... Star Wars episodes one, two, and three were shit. Yeah, and I just bad. thought this was going to be. I just thought this was going to be a bit. This was going to be like that. And and the thing is, Venom, Ven- Ven- Ven, as it turns out, is 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 not is not the villain. Is not a villain at all. He's the, he's very much the hero of this story. Yeah. No, but Ven- um, no,
0: Venom in the comics, Jazz, is like he's kind of an antihero. He was a villain in the original Spider Man debut that he made, but subsequently, like in his own comic, he's a He's a hero, right? Like Eddie Brock is not a horrible person, right? Like the way he's depicted in the comics is that he's not horrible. No. He he just hates Peter Parker, right? But then, apart from that, he's like an okay sort of dude. So,
1: yeah, right. Well, that, I, I, I didn't know that because I I'm not I'm not steeped in the Spider-Man mythology. Um, what I am familiar with is sort of like him as villain and Venom as the vi- as one of the two major villains. In Spider-Man Three, and so it, it it there was just I was just sort of thrown for a loop by this movie by uh, by the extent to which they they go to they go to make um they make um uh Venom the good guy and
2: Anti-hero I told
1: Spider-Man. I told them, I, I told to do this and she doesn't believe me but and she violently disagrees but I actually think there's there's a lot to be said for the proposition that this movie has a plot that in many ways is not dissimilar from that of the Predator in the sense that um uh, the, pred- the, the, the lone predator that lands on the planet beforehand uh, wants to save wants to save humankind as as Venom tries to, and he's up against a much bigger, badder um, uh, example of his own species in the form of Riot, and in in in, in the predator was the much bigger predator. Um, so there's, there are actually some parallels um, in the plots of these two films. Um, I'm not saying that this this does either of them any credit. Um it doesn't. But I think because there are there is that similarity and because this movie is considerably more enjoyable than the Predator was, I think it added to my enjoyment of the film that it it seemed to tell the same story in a much more competent. I'm not saying it did it competently, but in a manner that was certainly more competent than the than the Predator.
0: Yeah, I did, Ven- I did. Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I think I agree with Andrew on this one. I, I definitely. Yeah. I, I felt like while there were plot beats, I guess that were sort of similar. Like I, I felt like it was a very different film. Much Venom more. Li- much more save- no, no, Venom go-
2: doesn't want to save anyone until the end, and it's not really a movie about Venom. It's really a movie about Eddie Brock, and his his agendas. You know, <laughs> is is different. So I, <laughs> I didn't see the similarities. <laughs>
0: Um, okay, look, why don't we just get into the acting then, right? Like, is there anything else we want to talk about plot-wise, or do we want to just head into acting now? Um, Acting. Okay, so let's talk about the acting, right? Because Tom Hardy, I feel, makes this film, and makes it in a really weird sort of way, right? Like, he is a weird, weird guy, and this film, like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it's, it's, (laughs) look, I was kind of Making, I was saying this to Mags when I left, right? And I, like, on re, like reflecting on it over the last two days, I, I think I kind of still agree with it, right? Basically, the writing in this film is horrible, right? Like, it's it's full of cliches. Whoever wrote it was probably stoned or drunk or whatever it was, right? It, it's just really sort of a lot of on the nose lines, right? And. Basically, (laughs) so you've got this shit sandwich for her script and they've given it to the actors and they've given it to an actor like Michelle Williams. And she's basically said, I'm not going to eat this shit sandwich. So she is horrible in this film, right? Like I felt her acting was so, so bad, like sort of actively trying to act badly because I guess in her mind, she thought like she was above this sort of thing, right? And then you have Tom Hardy, who is clearly not a dumb guy, right? Has read this script and gone, well, you know what, this is a shit sandwich, but I'm going to eat this wholeheartedly. Yeah, he committed. (laughs) Yeah, he committed, right? Like, he ate that shit sandwich and he made it his own, right? (laughs) Tom Hardy, eat
3: it up. Eat it up, dude. He ate it. He ate it. He ate it all.
0: And then... (laughs) And it was because... This film, I felt, was so likable. Because you could tell that Tom Hardy was eating this shit sandwich. And he knew he was eating a shit sandwich. And he was trying to make the best that he could out of this shit sandwich. I really do, right? So... um,
2: And he was having fun.
0: No, he was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I, I felt like... So, for example, I... The character of Eddie Brock... I found was so weird, right? Like, you know when you're first introduced to Eddie? He's like... He kind of, like, grows on you as a character throughout the film. But, like, the way Tom Hardy plays him is... Like, he's kind of a little bit, like, this cross between, like... Sort of... I don't even, he's kind of got he's a little... A loose
2: cannon, right? Yeah, he's a got loose a
0: loose, can. loose cannon, but then he's co- kind of got a little bit of Rain Man in him. You know how he, like, mutters to himself, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> like it's kind of weird, right? Like, he's, like, yeah. a little bit Rain Man and a little bit, like, loose cannon sort of journalist guy. It's kind of not really a pairing that you'd normally yeah, see. Yeah, he doesn't but... <laughs>
2: seem to be all there, right? <laughs> yeah, but exactly.
1: Completely. <laughs> yeah. I-, I thought I thought he was drunk throughout the entire movie. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> this like like it's how, how else how else do you explain someone acting the way he does?
3: What do you mean?
1: He just, he, he, because, he, because he's, got, he's just so full of he's sort of like slur. I mean, maybe this is just a Tom Hardy thing, but the character of Eddie Brock slurs his words throughout the entire movie, even That's in scenes not. where otherwise you might think he's sober.
2: That's yeah. Tom Hardy, isn't it? He's always unintelligible, just a
0: little. bit. Yeah. Time. Because you know, there's times when he's just looking on the ground, kind of mumbling to himself, talking to <laughs> himself. It's like, I was like, why is this guy playing Rain Man? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> but it kind of grows on you. Like, I don't know if it was. But, because did you know that he was also Venom? Max was What do you mean? To...
2: Oh, no, that doesn't surprise me. Because that voice he does. Like, he has that voice. Like, in the um, Batman movies, right? He has that voice.
0: Well, in the Batman movies, you can't. Understand what it's actually saying, right? <laughs> like at all. <laughs> yeah. Um is that right, Max, that he was Venom's voice? Yeah.
3: Okay. Yeah, he's is the of Venom. That... Yeah. I read that somewhere, yeah.
0: So he clearly can enunciate because I felt <laughs> that Venom was very clear. I understood Venom pretty much throughout the film, right? It's just that there were yeah. times when I didn't fully understand Eddie. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That was intentional, Darren.
0: Clearly <laughs> intentional. Um, did you? Did anybody else kind of like this? Really like? At first, I was not completely sold on it, but it kind of grew on me. Did anybody
2: else yeah. find that
0: with with that performance? Yeah, he's
2: quirky, and I liked it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, what, what about the other acting? What did you think of everybody else? Blah.
1: Yeah. yeah I Can I just say this? This movie really wasted the Riz Ahmed. Riz Ahmed's actually a really good actor. Um, The first time, first time I ever saw him, well, first time manager and I ever saw him was in an HBO show called The Night of, and he plays this sort of. um, Oh yeah. He plays this Indian kid who's wrongfully accused of murder, um, and he's, he's excellent. He's excellent in it. And then every time I've seen him in a movie, he's been shit, or the movie's been shit, and it drags him down to his level. So. He was in. He was one. He was the. He was the sort of tech, the tech CEO who ran a social network that spied on people in Jason Bourne, Um, and he plays a not dissimilar character um, in in this movie. And he's just sort of so bland and lifeless, Um, uh, uh, and so he he just leaves no impression whatsoever. which I think is a real shame. I think he's a, he's a very, very fine actor, but he's just not, he's just not giving, he's just not been given roles which allow him to, sh- to demonstrate, uh, his range and his talent. Mm, mm,
0: mm. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to make the point again how bad I thought Michelle Williams was. I, yeah. I, I don't really understand what, like, why.
2: Actually, she couldn't be bothered. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like, it was act. it felt actively weird, right? Like, yeah, you, you yeah. know the scenes when right at the beginning when like she's saying bye to him, like it's kind of like I felt like her acting in Dawson's Creek was better than <laughs> what she was doing here, right? Like it was yeah. just like she
2: put more effort into that than she put into this. Yeah,
0: absolutely. It was just like she just didn't give a shit. It was it was really disconcerting. It felt really disconcerting. Um, so yeah, I, I don't really know why she did that, but anyway, like. Um. yeah, I, I, uh, someone was saying to Again,
2: me, it could be the script, right? It could be that she's not given that much, that's all that inspiring to work with, or even the role she's playing. <laughs> it's, just, it's just the accessory, like, like most female roles are in action movies, right? She's the accessory. So maybe she wasn't that inspired by the role. Well, she wasn't a
0: damsel in distress, though. Like, she kind of... She was like a... She helped him out, right? Like it wasn't like she, yeah. she was needed saving or anything like true. that. Yeah, true. So,
1: that's true. In fact, she she kind of saved the day because she's the one who <coughs> she's the one who sort of um, yeah. who who, who um, switched on the the uh, the feedback sound, oh, which yeah, um, which which temporarily incapacitated riot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. so I
3: think uh, I think about like Rachel McAdams in um, Doctor Strange, and she had quite a small bit part, but she definitely committed to that role compared to the way Michelle Williams committed to this role, and she had actually more to do, I think.
0: Yeah, Michelle mm. Williams definitely had some stuff to do. It was just that whenever she was on screen doing it, it felt like she just couldn't be asked, right? Um, mm. And then she's playing opposite Tom Hardy, who's just munching down on the sandwich, <laughs> yeah. just like, mmm. love it, right? It's <laughs> just like <laughs> so, it's so weird. He's so, good. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good, I love him. <laughs>
3: Um, I okay. read somewhere that um, what is it? The real romance was between him, Tom Hardy, and himself, better, yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure.
0: Yeah. Um. Okay. So, can I, I, I? know that we kind of already talked about plot, but can I just ask a quick question? Like, what? Ha, how? How did she do the sound thing at the end? Why was there this just speaker on the side of the <laughs> spaceship? Is that? That's what happened, right? There was a speaker on the side of the spaceship that she turned up. Is that right? Is that yeah. what happened?
1: Yeah, yeah, so that, yeah. So that
0: the crew could have music. It was on the outside oh. of the spaceship.
1: Oh, on the is, there, is it? Maybe it's for the countdown.
2: What? So they can dance their way into the station. Where else?
0: She's just a civilian who walks into this command center, is able to find the exact thing that controls that thing, the speaker on the spaceship, and plays the exact volume into the thing. It's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, um, okay, um, yeah, I, um, okay, I, I, I think, um, like for me, I, uh, like, I'll, I'll tell you kind of, like, what I really liked about the film, like, basically this film for me, I kind of started off thinking that it wasn't a very good film. And basically, after Eddie falls on hard times, that's kind of when I started feeling like it was a better film. And I, I think the film for me is likable because Eddie as a character is actually kind of likable, right? Like, morally, he's not a bad guy. And he's like, he's, um... Like, there's just something about him that is kind of... I guess you, you kind of feel drawn to Not in sort of a magnetic sort of way, but just like, you do kind of feel drawn to him as he a character.
2: Sh- he As a character, he is shady, but you feel sorry for him because he's trying to do the white knight thing. He's trying yeah, to do the right he thing. He is
0: trying to do the right thing. And I, I, it's, it's, it's a film where the main character... I feel, for the most part, is kind of morally consistent, right? Like, um, you know, like, he reacts in the right way to various things, right? Like, you know, when the guys first come and try to kill him, he doesn't actively try to kill them. He just tries to incapacitate Mm. them, really, right? Like, so it's kind of like, it, it feels like him, Eddie Brock as a character feels right, right? Like, you know, we've seen a lot of films where the main character... Like, I think The Predator is a great example, right? Where, like, um, the Narcos guy, uh, McKenna, that character in The Predator, is actually a really unlikable character because he's morally all over the place, right? Like, he doesn't really have a code. He just offs people, whatever, right? Um, Mm. While with Eddie, I kind of felt like, um, even though this was quite a simplistic sort of film, like, what makes him... Probably more likable is because morally he is like fairly centred, right? And but he that's does because fun- he
2: has an alter ego, right? Venom yeah. is his alter ego, so Eddie can be morally centred because Venom will show up any moment to give us the disgusting action scenes that we're all waiting for. Exactly,
0: exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly.
2: Like he can be. <laughs>
0: Speaking of action, did we like the action scenes in this film?
1: No, ter- they were they were <laughs> terrible except for the except for the motorcycle chase. I mean the final the final sequence oh, was so just bad. unwatchable. You it was unwatchable. It. I just couldn't see what was going on. There yeah, were so many quick awesome. cuts. It was in the dark. There was so it was a poorly lit scene, a poorly lit sequence. It was uh. all quick cuts. It was completely incomprehensible. We are there um, I thought, for the
2: action. Show us the action. Don't blur it and make it all dark and everything's happening so lightning fast speed that you can't see anything. Like that's not satisfying.
0: Yeah. Mags, did you understand did could did you like the action? Did you could you understand the action?
3: Um, I liked the the car chase scene through the San Francisco streets. I mean, what's there not to like about you know, cars rolling up and down those those hills? Um, the action sequence where they were in the lobby of the media company,
0: um, the Batman with the, sequence, right? Where he yeah, the does this. yeah, yeah, the Batman <laughs> sequence. Yeah. Where he does a smoke yeah. and then he kills all well, he doesn't oh, kill yeah. them. He incapacitates all the SWAT guys. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I thought that was okay. I thought that was okay. Yeah. Until Michelle showed up. Like, oh.
0: Yeah, she was just a civilian, just walked into this police zone. Like, there's no police, <laughs> like, caught it or whatever. She just, like, walks in, whatever. Eddie, what are you doing? <laughs> Get in my car. That's right.
2: Get in my car, Eddie. And then she's okay putting him in, a, in, in her car after what she's seen. Yeah, like, whatever.
3: <laughs> and Venom subsequently helpfully tells her exactly what makes him. Vulnerable. Yes. Oh my
0: God. Yes. Can we talk about this bit? That scene in the car.
3: Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Here's the key to killing me. Take it. Take it, Excelsior.
0: Yeah, exactly. One and two. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm really, I'm really uh, afraid of sound. And fire, and fire. He, he actually says, Venom says. the exact frequency that you need.
2: The exact frequency. These are the two things. The exact frequency and fire.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> Write that down, Michelle Williams. Write that down.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I got to agree with you. I, I thought that the SWAT scene was okay right like I, I I could at least understand what was going on in that scene um, I, like I was not 100% sure about the, the scene the fight with Riot right at the end and that was because Mags and I were sitting right in the front because this was a sold out cinema right oh. we, we watched it on a Friday night it was sold out full so, of teenage boys full of teenage boys and their right. dates and their dates don't forget their <laughs> dates yeah oh yes their dates <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, fully packed film. So we had you the boys... their,
1: their dates were there. Sorry, what was that? Their dates were there. Yeah, I, I, I just, I just, I just don't know what teenage boy would think he was going to get sex after what, after taking his date to this movie.
2: Gerald, you were only there because I wanted to watch the movie. So we can't assume that this, we can't make gender assumptions, guys. You never know.
0: There are idiots of both genders that enjoy this sort of film. Okay, Gerald. It's just not just male idiots.
3: <laughs> and nephew. Oh my gosh.
0: Um Yeah, so we were really up close. So I couldn't tell if it was because I was so close to the screen that I couldn't tell what was going on, or no. because so you was you guys could see this film clearly, right?
1: Yeah. We could see the film clearly, yeah. and this was a, Yeah, Go on, Gerald. It was it was really th- awesome. this was this was a really really badly put together action sequence. Um, I mean, you know. Uh, I, I, I actually I actually don't remember the last time there was I saw an action sequence so poorly shot and then edited. It, it, maybe maybe some of the action sequences from from the from Batman Begins, like some of them were pretty bad, but they were deliberately they were deliberately hard to understand because Nolan wanted to I think present the the perspective of the of Batman's antagonist and they didn't know what was going on, which is why it was so hard to see what was going on in some of the Early action sequences in Batman Begins, but this movie, there was no justification for why it was so incomprehensible. Yeah, um, the the final the final act of the film, um, it was really really difficult to follow.
0: Yeah, I thought visually the problem that they had was because the symbiotes themselves, once they start stretching and stuff, are really busy visually, right? So you have all these symbiotes kind of melding together, and then like it it just It was really fast. It was really frenetic. The camera was spinning all over the place. I mean, it was just filmed in CG, right? So you have all this, like, goop. Basically, all I saw for, like, five minutes was goop. Swirling goop. And I couldn't tell what was going on. I actually... You know, there's that bit right at the end when... I couldn't tell what had happened, right? When, apparently, did Riot and Venom fuse together? Is that what happened? Because I couldn't tell. I couldn't actually... For a bit. Yeah,
1: they did.
2: <laughs>
0: they did for a bit.
1: But they, did, they did momentarily. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I, I couldn't tell who had won. I, I thought for a moment maybe Venom had fallen off, but then, like, after they playing, played the sound, like, you f- saw Venom and Eddie next to, like, um, Carlton Dragon, and am like, hang on, wh- why are they together? I, I guess they fused, maybe. So, yeah, it was just really confusing. Like, it, for me, it felt like, remember, like, there was a moment in uh, one of the one or two of the Michael Bay Transformers films because you know the Transformers in Michael Bay's films are also really visually quite busy. Like there's a lot of shit going on with them, right? Like, mm. y- like y- I don't know if you got the same feeling. Sometimes in those Transformers films, I couldn't tell what was going on as well when all the robots are just fighting each other. It's just like this yeah. massive stuff that's on the
2: screen. Stop. I think with Venom, they do a really good job when Venom is fighting humans. Like they know what to do to make it look interesting. But it's like they didn't, they got confused by Venom fighting another creature just like Venom. They didn't know how to make the creatures interact with each other in an interesting way that would look like it would look good to watch or that i feel like that's what they couldn't figure out how to do and so they made it like a big haze and we couldn't see anything
0: yeah and riot was so similar to venom as well that's right
1: yeah that's right that's exactly right it was really hard to distinguish the two of them he just Riot looked so similar to venom the only way of telling them apart was the fact that venom had this sort of shiny black sheen to him and that was it
0: but it was very subtle, right? Like, Riot also yeah. was quite a dark symbiote. It wasn't... I think he felt greener on the screen. Like, as in, he was like a sort of olive green, supposedly. But it
1: yeah, was kind of, like,
0: all so dark as well. It wasn't like one of them was really bright and one of them was dark, so you could tell. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Um... Yeah. CG. Yeah. And the CG was not good either, right? Like, as in... Uh, <laughs> 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 um... Yeah, the, the CG better than the Predator, I would say, but it it felt very plasticky. It, it felt like you could definitely it didn't really synchronize with reality sometimes. So, yeah. Um, okay. Um, is there anything else we really want to talk about in relation to this film? Okay, um, if there's nothing kind of, like, pressing, I I kind of, like, I know that we've been going for about almost 50 minutes now, so we we should probably bring it to an end soon, but, um, immediately upon leaving this film, um, my thoughts were, well, I thought this was a likeable film, but there were lots of things broken with it, and I I actually thought that there were two kind of plot things that, um, could have been done if they were a little bit braver that i kind of felt would have made it a more like just a generally a better film like the two points for me were um i didn't i felt like they shouldn't have um vacillated on venom's motivations right like i felt like so um Aniger earlier was saying that you know, Venom kind of changes his mind, right? He wants to subjugate humanity at first, but then later in in the film, like, within the space of five minutes, he changes his mind. It's like, I don't really want to subjugate humanity, right? I, I actually think they should have just, like, been really clear with that. And, like, the Venom symbiote's motivation is that he just doesn't want to go back because he's, like, a bit of a loser on his home planet. And you just double down on that, right? He just doesn't want to go home and he's willing to do whatever it takes to kind of stay here and feel powerful, right? He's a selfish prick and that's it, right? And then you can have this contrast of a selfish prick um, symbiote and uh, a sort of more sort of um, selfless Eddie Brock, right? And so that they they formed that pairing, right? I kind of felt like they should have doubled down on it instead of saying that. Oh, Venom is kind of like. Oh, but I've kind of got a soft spot for Eddie, and like I don't mind humanity and that sort of thing, right? Like, I kind of felt like if that had if the motivation of the symbiote had been clear and consistent throughout the film, it would have made for a better film. Um, the other thing for me that I felt could have made this film better was. One of the most jarring bits of this film was when Carlton Drake gets possessed by the symbiote, gets possessed by Riot, right? Because they have this super convoluted thing where over a six-month period, apparently, Riot has travelled from Malaysia to the States. It takes him six months to get there. Is that right? That's right, right? Because he he must stay in the little girl's body for, like, six months. I felt like uh, Carlton Drake should have been possessed much earlier in this film, right? Because that would make more sense why he's fixated on creating these rockets instead of curing cancer, right? Because he's apparently a guy who is, like, kind of just dabbled in rockets, but then it's kind of like, oh, he got possessed by the symbiote, which is why he's, like, so keen on doing all these human experiments and being a total douche, because the symbiote is kind of fusing with him and making him a bit crazy, right? So... I felt like that probably would have been a kind of a a better story. Um.
2: Also we were used to um we were used to Eddie Brock being part of Venom from the beginning for all of the movie. But we mm-hmm. weren't used to that with, with the villains. So it was like um it was like Carlton Drake just suddenly disappeared and now there was this new monster. It yeah. was, you couldn't. It didn't really feel like they were the same character. Whereas with Eddie and Venom, it did feel like they were the same person.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Carlton Drake in his lab, which is apparently state of the art, but has the world's best secure, worst security. Right? Like he's just wandering. Like what? Like there's no one in his lab half the time. Like this little girl can just enter his lab. No one gives a shit. It's just like what? Um. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. Um. Do we need to talk anything, speak more of Venom? I, I think we're pretty much done, right?
2: Yeah,
1: it was oh, fun. Daz, Just one question. Um, what's with the post-credit scene? Who is that oh, guy?
0: Yeah, who is that guy? It's Carnage. That's, that's uh, why he says, oh, there's going to be Carnage. Well, it's Woody Harrelson, <laughs> right? So, Woody Harrelson plays uh, Cletus Cassidy, I think. So, look. <laughs> To kind of understand Venom as a character, you got to go, go back to when you were in high school, Gerald, and um, Year 7 is kind of, Year 6, Year 7 is kind of when Venom first came out, and so Marvel thought it was an awesome idea, because Venom was so popular, that they'd make all these other, like, um, symbiotes, right? So, one of these symbiotes is this red one called Carnage. Um,
2: oh, he's a symbiote?
0: Yes. So, basically... Why
2: is he stuck in prison?
0: No, he's not a symbiote. He, basically, the symbiote bonds with a serial killer, right? There's this red symbiote who bonds with this red-headed serial killer called Cletus Cassidy, which is why, like, Woody Harrelson is in this ridiculous red wig, right? He looks like Ronald McDonald, but, Mm -hmm. like, that's why he's in that, right? So the symbiote bonds with him, and he becomes, like, this... super powerful he's like more powerful than Venom like he like can create blades out of his hands and blah 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 right so that's that's why and that's why like that last line is so on the nose right when he goes there's gonna be carnage and it's just like <laughs> ugh god stop please please <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but the other did you guys stay for the post post credit scene No! What was it? It was basically an ad, right? So the post-post-credits scene was for Into the Spider-Verse, which is like an animated movie about Uh, Spider-Man, right? About Miles Morales, actually. We've seen a trailer.
2: We've seen a trailer of that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So basically they tacked on like five minutes of the film towards the end. It felt really weird because it didn't really feel connected with the Mm -hmm. rest of the film at all, especially since... (laughs) At no point in this film, even though we know that Venom is a Spider-Man villain, at no point in this film do they reference any Spider-Man stuff, really. Mm. Mm. Would you say that's right? Yeah. You know, did you know yeah, yeah, Spider-Man yeah, that's
1: right. No, no, that's right. And in fact, it, it even takes part in a different city.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was kind of weird. It was kind of weird. I mean, Into the Spider-Verse looks amazing, right? Like the... The animation itself looks really, really good, and the art style I really, really dig. Um, but it just was like, well, why, why, why are we seeing this? It, it feels like it's not really connected to what I just saw. So, mm. um, yeah. Um, I mean, okay. I know, I know that we've spoken quite a while about about this film already, but can I, I just want to ask a quick question to everybody: mm. Do you think Venom would fit in with? I know that Venom for contractual reasons and for business reasons will probably never be part of the MCU, right? Like, the mainline MCU. But do you think Venom could fit in with, like, the Tom Holland Spider-Man? Or do you think that tonally it's such a different sort of film? He's
2: morally ambiguous a little bit, isn't he? Venom.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, he eats people. (laughs) So that's... (laughs) Yeah, but if that's moral ambiguity... (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> um, no, it is totally different, isn't
1: it? Yeah. it is it and also I think I think um, the the makers of this movie were were shooting for a bit of a more adult crowd. I mean, there was the odd f bomb dropped during the runtime of the movie, so they were probably hoping for to to pitch this movie to the same crowd that really likes Deadpool. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when you, when you take that into account, it, it becomes much more difficult to see how this particular incarnation of Venom could fit inside the MCU, and particularly that corner of it occupied by Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so here's another quick, quick question. Would you guys watch a sequel to this film?
2: Yes. Why not? It was fun.
1: Jerry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I I would not, not not with not with any great haste mind you. Um but but out of curiosity just to see where they take the where they take the story and um and what use they make of Willie Harrelson, sure. Max I don't,
3: know. I don't know. I don't know. I was just thinking about what other character did Venom Remind me of a little bit, particularly at the end when Tom Hardy's speaking to him and trying to you know, like counsel him about who he can and can't eat. And it reminded me a little bit of The Hulk. Yes, and, you know,
2: oh, that's yes. Gerald, when you said this was like The Predator, I thought, no, this is like The Hulk. Yes, what? totally.
3: The Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. Could I do a whole nother movie like this? I don't know. I don't know. I I think part of the charm of this, this weird charm, is that I've just seen it the one time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're right, though. It is a weird charm to this film, right? Like, you know, when Gerald was comparing it to the the Predator... The Predator. The Predator, not Predator. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. I, I guess the reason why I'm not sure I agree with that is because the Predator was not charming at all. It had, like... I felt like The Predator had very... I mean, The Predator and Venom are both not good films, but The Predator had, like... I felt like it had zero redeeming characteristics. It wasn't fun, it wasn't particularly charming. Well, like, with Venom, it wasn't a good film, but it was, for whatever reason, it just had a lot of charm. I think it was because, like, Tom Hardy just chowed down on that shit sandwich so hard that it was just like... Wow. Okay. I I kind of Mm -hmm. like. It's not a. It's not a great film, but you know he's really invested in it. He's really earnest. It's kind of like funny. It's like so unexpected and weird. Like it's likable, right? While there are some bad films that are just really unlikable. So Mm. yeah, I I definitely would watch a sequel to this. Um, But I kind of feel that with a sequel, there's only so much you can. Pump the goodwill, right? The goodwill only lasts a certain period before it starts kind of. You start sort of going, oh, this is actually not a very good film. So um, I hope they make a sequel, but I hope they make it to be a good film next time um, and not just one that is weird and charming. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, on that note, guys, um, thanks very much for joining me and um, talking about Venom. Um, yeah, thanks, everybody. I'll Thank s- you. I'll see thanks. You guys. I'll see you guys next time. Bye.
3: Yeah.